Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. We got a really laid back show for you today, going over some of the more topical things, giving some of our guests a break from us yelling at them all the goddamn time. You know, it's your your old school hosts, Kevin's B&G, back at it. So whatever. Come on. Let's get after it. Extra special host. Help out with the podcast. Dusty, what do you think? You got something to say? Official (laughs) official mascot. Dusty, for everybody listening, you're missing out on some adorable puppy action right now. Uh, We're going to get all into some really cool stuff going on. But before we do, brief shout out to sponsors of the show. Your friends and ours, you know, we could only be talking about No Judges Needed. Your one-stop shop for all of your grappling training gear from rash guards to geese modeled by the beautiful Mr. Kevin Gallagher, as well as hoodies. And instead of cutting away, I'll just go up and show you the really cool hoodie I'm rocking myself. It's a little hot in here today. Otherwise, I'd be wearing it. Uh, This is a brand that, once again, loves giving back to the community. They love lifting everybody up. And they're always looking for ways to help you out, which is what they've did. They've done by partnering with us. For everyone looking to save a little bit of money and also upgrade your wardrobe, use the code JJT to knock off 20% off your purchase at nojudgesneeded.com. That's at checkout. Let them know you sent you. You'll be helping us out. You'll be helping yourselves out. Helping everybody help each other. It's a big, big group hug of an initiative, and we cannot – tell you how excited we are to be a part of it so once again that is www.nojudgesneeded.com promo code jjt to knock off 20 percent off all right ad read over as i realized there was a ton of spit building up in my mouth for some reason i'd read how, over how are you how are you doing today honey how you doing i'm good man uh good day today just hanging out kind of relaxed getting back in the swing of things uh you know i was sick last week so i couldn't do much training and then uh this week I'm back feeling better again, so I'm back at the gym, trying to get some of this weight off of me. I was getting fat and out of shape for a little bit, and I'm back down to about two oh eight. I'd like to get down to two hundred. I was sick of being fat. Fat this, being fat sucks. This time last year, I was like, I was a maniac in the gym, working out every day, doing like like sit, almost twenty pull ups without stopping, which is bullshit compared to some of our jacked listeners, obviously. But I was like 150 getting ready for a tournament. Right now, I'm 175, just like fat as shit. I, I ate three cookies before I hopped on here. Like you're, you're in love now. You're like fat and in love. It's it's true. And I know it's it's like pretty great, but also I'd love to be in love and also jacked, yeah, you know, right. like hot. If I could just get both, that'd be fucking great. <laughs> I uh, and I know jujitsu isn't like it's all about skill, but still, you know, I, I would love to be jacked too, like ripped up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I um, I think about uh, I think about this time last year. This was right about when the COVID madness was about to kick off. We were starting to see videos and pictures and images from Europe and Italy, and anxiously awaiting or not so anxiously awaiting awaiting the arrival of the the covid virus into uh into america so we we were this time last year everyone was setting their jiu-jitsu goals getting prepared for the for the year and then about two weeks later it turned into madness and no one was doing jiu-jitsu anymore <laughs> so i mean it's it, it really has been a year think about that it's yes. been we, we've been dealing with this new reality for over yep. a year and we're still here baby we're, we're still, still kicking here, vaccines on the way i think we're 
think we're real close to turning the corner, getting back into the swing of things and uh, moving on with our lives. Apparently, this is another thing we're going to have to deal with. COVID's here to stay. Let's just get our vaccines and move on with our lives, just like the flu and everything else we get vaccinated for. Fuck the hell yeah, man. And uh, we love that jujitsu itself has started to come back. We're starting to see more events, more initiatives. But one of the other things that defined like 2020 outside of the pandemic were like the the riots against police brutality and a, a calling for police to be uh, defunded and, and given more options other than just resorting to their firearm. And I think in that conversation, jujitsu got brought up a lot because it's a it's a really effective way to end a violent situation without people having to die. And we, you know, we've had police officers come on the show. We've had people that are very much not police officer, officers on the show to talk about their opinions. But we're starting to see more initiatives to better train police officers in how to uh, nonviolently end a scenario, which I think is is great for everybody. Specifically, the story we published uh, a little while ago, uh, the Marietta Police Department is looking to better arm their officers with jujitsu training at like Gracie academies all over the place. And uh, yeah, I know that it's been a while since we've talked about this issue specifically, but like, how does something like this, uh, how, how do you feel about something like this, Kev? Well, I mean, I 100% for it. I mean, I, I have, again, I hate to beat the dead horse, but I'll talk about it again. You know, I, I have firsthand knowledge of the efficiency, the efficiency of effectiveness of jujitsu in a confrontational situation where you have to control and uh, incapacitate an aggressor, aggressive person. And jujitsu is the greatest non-lethal way to do that. I mean, there's just quite, there's nothing even, not even a close second. Um, so allowing these police officers, giving these police officers the opportunity to be better trained in non-lethal, um, you know, de-escalation of events um, does several things, serves, serves several purposes. It allows them to stay more confident in their abilities, which means they're clear-headed and aware of the scenario. So they're not as quick to pull their guns. They're not as quick to pull out their, their tasers. They allow things to escalate to a lethal um, scenario. And it's just effective. You can you can incapacitate someone, hold them on the ground, and keep them there for an extended period of time with the use of jujitsu. There's not nothing else is even close to it. I remember when the story first broke with the Marietta Police Department. Right, it's probably been close to eight nine months or so when they started making it mandatory for Marietta Police Department to uh, to train jujitsu. I think they should do it nationwide. I, I mean, I don't want to get specifically into different areas of the country, but you know, we have the benefit of having two different perspectives based on where we live. Like I've always lived like far in the Northeast, never really left there too much. You're a Florida boy. And I, I know that the areas have different rates of crime, different uh, police cultures, but I, I'd love to know if you think an initiative like this, specifically as someone who has to deal with violence as a bartender, just people trying to take your head off all the time. Do you think a better armed police force with jujitsu would help your area specifically? I mean, yes and no. I think everyone should learn jujitsu. I mean, I, I'm just, I mean, I, I, you know, because the police aren't going to be there all the time. Believe me, you know, I, I, the reason why I have to protect myself and protect the bar <laughs> is because you don't just call the police and they show up magically like, like the Avengers. You know, that's, that's not how the reality of real world works. You know, you, it, it takes 
15, 20 minutes, even on a 911 call for the police to come. Most of the time I called them when I called the police, the person that I called them on are already halfway gone down the road, right? I'm already getting capacitated, throwing them out. There's no, it's almost, it's almost a, uh, it's almost, you know, just something you do and it doesn't happen. Nothing comes of it. Um, but, you know, my belief in this whole scenario is, is I'm not of the opinion that the police department is this nefarious, uh, component of social justice you know the police state we live in i i don't like the way things have progressed i believe that we are becoming we have become slightly a police state but i think there's way way more things involved the socioeconomic issues involved uh, systemic racism involved that have allowed that have made it important and made it necessity for police officers to have as big a force a bigger presence in our communities as they do in African-American communities as they do and in everybody's communities as they do poor communities as they do. And, um, you know, but it's not the police officer's fault, man. I just, I hate, I hate it when people point the finger at police officers like, Oh, these guys are, these guys are horrible. They're just scum of the earth. I mean, they have a tough job, man. They have a difficult job. They're underfunded. They're, uh, they're underprepared. You know, they're using antiquated self-defense systems from the seventies. Remember we had Freddie Trillo uh, talking about, uh, Freddie Trillo, the police officer from Miami, talking about uh, his black belt instructor in Miami under Tom to Blast, talking about the self defense, uh, the know, batons, like yeah, just batons, you. <laughs> it's, you know, it's straight out of a of a kung fu movie, and, and none of it works. None of it's even halfway functioning. And and you know, you send him out there, which is the equivalent of sending sending them out with a BB gun when everyone else has you know AK forty sevens. It's not helpful it doesn't help and it leads to these escalations of violence so if you teach these guys the correct way to handle situations and then you know you start dealing with the bigger systemic issues that are really causing the problems of prime crime it's not because the police officers police officers just a dude doing his job you know he lives a hard life it's a tough fucking position believe me i've seen a lot of cops having to do the things they do and it sucks they don't they they're in a lose-lose situation nobody likes them unless you're the guy calling the cops to save your life but yeah. you know, train them better. Don't defund. Spend more money and make them do the right things. And train I, them I, to do things correctly. I agree, and I think one of the big things about that initiative one, I understand perfectly the the messaging behind defund the police, right, and course. that is and that is that there are areas of our society that are underfunded, whereas the police is funded effectively. It, it's it's. There's a lot of money there, but they're they're also putting money towards shit nonsense, like a lot of riot gear, a lot of like training in firearms, whereas there's almost nothing being done for what if your gun's gone? Like what if you don't want to have to resort to that or beating a guy to death or tasing him with a taser? You know, there's not a lot of and, and you should never get I, I feel like it should be at least two years to become a cop. I feel no, like yeah, you I should mean, not be able to get through police training in under two years. And they should I feel pay like, it more. It should be a better paying job. You shouldn't be just some schlub off the street because that's the kind of people you attract when you make it so easy, when you set the bar so low. I went to school for four years in order to say funny words into a camera and, <laughs> and talk to people with like with with murder in their eyes in pajamas. <laughs> All right. I should they should have to go through at least half of that in order to become I, I agree with the you. law. <laughs>
You know, and to, to talk about the defund, I don't want to get into too much of a conversation on that because it's still a jujitsu show. But when you talk about yeah. defund, we live in America, and America is a society that works on fix a problem instead of prevent a problem. So, like, we pour tons and tons of money and tons and tons of resources into preventing crime, into, into fitting fighting crime, into keeping crime at quell. When the reality of it is, if we spent more money in preventing crimes from happening by educating people, giving people more access to education, giving people more access to affordable housing, more access to survival needs, health care, all the things that we can do to keep people from being angry and going out in the streets and having to do what they have to do to survive, we wouldn't have to spend so much money on the street. I always use this quote, and I don't know if it's Voltaire, but it's a, it's an interesting thing that I've heard once or twice, and I misquote as Voltaire, but what the hell. It's something along the lines of uh, the difference between a starving man and a loaf of bread is sometimes a pane of glass. You know what I'm talking about? So like if you're a starving person, you need to survive and you see a plane, you see a place, a see some glass inside of a storefront window. You know what? I'm going to break that glass. If I got to feed my family, if I break the law, I break the law, but I'm not dying on the street trying to do something right because it's impossible to do that. Especially if you see that like even worse than a pane of glass, sometimes the only thing between you and food is a very out of shape, cop that just happens to be there oh wait this guy's 350 and he's 5'8 and he's 350 pounds and i am and you've got fat jimbo that's done nothing but like some ridiculous fucking hand fighting stuff that they learned in the academy now but what else do they have a nine millimeter so if you push them down the ground and their lives are in danger you know what they're not gonna die they got a gun they're there it's their responsibility they're the one being paid to do things and enforce the law so they so people get shot that's just the way things happen. You send these guys out to underprepared in a difficult job with their lives on the line. You know what? I'm going to shoot somebody too. That's just the way it goes. I'm not going down. I didn't break the law. And that's the unfortunate scenario that we're living in now that, you know, people talk a lot of shit. It still ain't fixed. They, they ain't going to fix it. They're just going to keep pushing it across the fucking table and more shit's going to happen again. Yeah, man. I, I think that that's, you know, that's a good place to end that. But uh, to everybody <laughs> out there, well, no, 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 but just like, because I, I don't want to, you, this is a jiu-jitsu right. show, but to everybody out there that wants to get involved in law enforcement for like, for just reasons and wants to help out and be a positive force and you, in your, your department does not have any kind of jujitsu uh, available, please go out and educate yourself. Go find a gym. They have a lot, a lot of gyms have a lot of discounts for people looking to be oh, a law yeah. enforcement officer and and you are going to help the community you're in if you get yourself trained even if and your you're going to stay safer not, you're going to say state you're going to stay safer and you're going to just be a more compassionate person cuz also yes. training at a, in a jiu jitsu gym you get face to face with people from all economic backgrounds it breaks down that barrier that often gets put up between us and them and uh yeah just it's uh it's good for you man it's good for you baby all right. Good for, the, good for the soul, baby. It's good for the soul. Chicken soup for the soul. All right. Well, let's talk, now let's talk about Ungar Gabao or something. Let's talk about, well, I, but we, we do want to get to, you know, maybe a little bit of Galvao and how he's trolling Gordon all the time. But I want to talk a little bit about a brand new prom- jujitsu promotion that's set to premiere this April. It is called Evolve Your Game. It was set up by a promoter who is also a Cobrina black belt. So, you know, it's, it's legit on the skill side of things. It's got a very interesting opening card, the likes of Gianni Grippo, Jessica Khan, Andy Murasaki. And I think we've we've gotten to a point where we know the big names in promotion. You know, we know the Polaris, the Quintets, third, third Coast Grappling, Fight to Win, uh, 
grappling industries for like the more local shows and like Sapatero for uh, uh, Josh LaDuke and stuff like that. Do you think there's a risk of oversaturation with all these promotions? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody, moving on. Yeah, move, moving right along. I just said, just take it down. Um, I, I don't know about oversaturation, and this is just you know my opinion. I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong. I just feel that everyone's trying to cash in on that newfound opportunity to to make a buck in the jujitsu uh, competition world, the professional jujitsu competition market. And uh, I just don't know. I just don't know that it does good to have this many different looks, this many different organizations. I'm pretty sure they're going to have some kind of new and exciting rules format that's better than everybody else. So we're going to have real jujitsu here. This is going to show everyone always comes up with new ways to try to recreate the wheel. And the reality of it is, is it just when you oversaturate the market that much, the real blue chips kind of lose their appeal, like the third coast grapplings, the fight to wins, the, you know, the Kasai's, they start to get to a point where it's like, well, what is this all about? How come, you know, what, which is the right thing, which is the good thing to do now? I don't know. You know, the other side of that is why not, you know, why not have another event? People could obviously, I guess they feel like they have some way of making a profit out of that, or they want to put on quality jujitsu events, but, I don't know. It reminds me a lot of, and this is kind of a different scenario, but when you start talking about the world of boxing, you know, there was a time when there was one governing body of organizations, right? And there was, I think it was nine weight classes, eight weight classes. And if you were the champion at your weight class, you were the world champion at that weight class in that division or in that governing body. And that was it. There was no questions asked. Well, because we have all these other governing bodies that wanted to fracture off and start their own divisions, it became to the point where it's murky who is really the champion. There's a champion of the IBJ, IBF. There's a champion of or IB. What is it? IB, IBO. I forget yeah. what they are. WBO. Yeah. Uh, so I forget what what the government buys the boxing. I've been out of the loop for so long. But what happened was is you start to saturate that to the point to where when you're a champion, you, know, you should be a world champion and that's it. There shouldn't be any like discussion of like, well, is, the, is it the IBJ or is it the IBF or is it the? Yeah, like, could you imagine you know, going WBF? like, could you imagine going to someone and being like, yeah, you this guy's the UFC champion, but is he the Bellator champion? Like that, right. the, the idea of that doesn't even compute for us because it's just like, what the hell are you talking about there? <laughs> yeah, it's cool, I guess. You know, I don't know that jujitsu is even competitive jujitsu, professional jujitsu has even gotten to the point where that is a thing. Like, I couldn't even tell you something at this point which is the 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 end-all, be-all of who the greatest grappler is. I think it's the ADCC, but they don't do gi. Some people could say the IBJJF Worlds, but the reality is there isn't really another governing body that can say is a world championship. And competing at the world championship, is even, you don't even have like any asshole with a gi can go <laughs> compete <laughs> in the world championship. You don't have to qualify for it. You have to do anything to get there. You know, so, you know. I don't know. Very difficult question. I'll watch it. I'm excited to see it. I'm sure it'll be pretty cool, but it's just, yeah. you know me, you know me with competitive jiu-jitsu, professional jiu-jitsu. I've lost my luster for it. In, yeah. In, do, in I, well, Hey, like, Hey, I still want to see you compete. I want to be able to win money off you. All right. So just like, <laughs> like get jacked up, go on one last run. And like, let's, let's split the, let's split the prize money. Okay. Um, I, I, I see where you're coming from. And obviously you have a, a very different perspective on this issue than I do, but I also know that I think there is a potential place for it because 
there are a ton of regional MMA promotions. You know, there's a ton of like local shows and smaller scale shows. And I do think that if everyone's trying to be the next third coast grappling, the next fight to win, the next like big uh, Polaris, that could be dangerous just because there's not, a, there is not enough of an interest, I don't think. But um, in terms of more shows and more uh, places for athletes to showcase their skills, on a more regular basis because fight to win only puts on so many shows and they have a lot of athletes they need to be made aware of. There's uh, only so many Polaris's. There's only so many quintets. I do like the fact that these guys get more chances to earn money. Um, I, I will give you, I will give you that. And you know, me being jaded to be an asshole, like at the end of the day, if they're, if we don't have a Polaris, if we don't have this other opportunity, what the hell are we going to talk to you? Like we're getting paid because people are exactly. watching this shit. Yeah. So like the better, <laughs> the better jujitsu does, the better we do. You know, I, I get that. I'm cool with that. I just like, I don't know, man. I had this, I had so much hope that there would be some kind of a crossover, uh, jujitsu, uh, professional jujitsu circuit that kind of, turned into the X games that like, you didn't necessarily have to be a skateboarder, but you could kind of appreciate what it was, even if it was a small spectrum that gave it some kind of a lore. I don't know, man, all this fractured shit, all these like different things. Like it just, there's no unity in a movement forward. Everyone's doing their own little thing. No one's working together. And it's just, it's kind of killing uh, that progress. But yeah, you know, I love jujitsu. I'm a nerd. I don't care. I'll watch it. I do think that the idea of like, like Andrew Wiltsey or or uh, Cody Co or no 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 um uh, Cody Steele or um William Tackett taking one of the belts they have at like Subspectrum and bringing it over to a different promotion because as it stands these guys hold up the belts they win at the in these shows and then you never see those belts you again never see because again, right? that means nothing yeah. they put it in some freaking they put it next to the other they're just like oh this is a cool thing I won yeah yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, but UFC belt, that thing is glued to your fucking nuts. Right. You know, right. like you take photos with it, you base your entire identity around it for as long as you have it. You know, you and I, I that's cool. And I wish that these belts and these awards and these accolades were treated with a little bit more like reverence, like put them on the line more. Um, but I think you'd have to de- these promotions would have to do more to acknowledge each other. I guess you know, you know, you know too, Kev. Man, there's. There's a large subset of the jiu-jitsu community, large, rather very large subset of the jiu-jitsu community that doesn't even know that there is a professional jiu-jitsu circuit. And not just like blue belts, white belts. I'm talking about like older dudes that have no care about competing in jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu for the love of jiu-jitsu that like couldn't give two shits about an EBI championship or an ADC championship. Like they respect it as something that's cool, but they don't give a shit about subspecialty. Like, or anything like I think that. perfect example, that guy Hernandez that, that tapped out Rodolfo Vieira um, right. in UFC, fluffy. which is fucking fluffy. in fluffy, which is how fucking insane is that? Like, Damn! I was just talking. I one of my one of my guys trains with Vier because he's up in Orlando. One of my, I'm supposed to, I was supposed to go train with him a bunch of different times, but I never made it up there. Oh, you uh, could have hit of, him with that guillotine, man! <laughs> <laughs> now, now I know how to beat you. No, it's fucked oh, up. Oh man, that's that. that is so fucked up. He's, he's a nice guy. Like, yeah, he's still he's still 
one of the greatest jiu-jitsu fucking guys of all time. His top game is sick. Matt Arroyo was just talking about him today. Like his, his past game, topping game is like, it's, it's just, he's like a, they call him the stone golem. Like his whole body is made. He of looks iron. so yeah. strong. It was crazy to see him lose like that. But that guy in the interview, everyone was like two time ADCC champion. Did you, did you feel like pressure? And the guy's like, I don't really pay attention to yeah. professional jujitsu. And I'm just like, Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, this I mean, guy's, this guy's eating pizza going like, fuck that shit. <laughs> and that, Kevin, is the reality of professional jiu-jitsu. That's why when, you know, I love these guys, these professional athletes, they're making pretty good money. They're making a living. You know, Tex Johnson's making a living. He's living all right. Agner Roach is doing pretty good for himself when he's going out and running these competitive circuits. But I think some of them, when they get this whole uh, larger-than-life persona about themselves and feel like they're this big like celebrity superstar and garnering all that attention like i think they're just kind of like lost in their own little minds because the reality of it is is like only nerds like us really give a shit about it and like the the, the their their spear of first spear of influence and their actual uh like pool and fame and stardom is only a very small small pool like even like not just the jiu-jitsu community even less than the jiu-jitsu community in whole, a small sub-spectrum or small, small sub subdivision of the jiu-jitsu community that cares about professional competitive jiu-jitsu. Like, like Gordon Ryan getting recognized at a rest stop in Jersey, like on the parkway by one person is like, yeah, that's cool. It's cool that that happened, but it's not like if any jiu-jitsu athlete, like if any big ticket guy, like, Drysdale, even Galvao or Marcelo Garcia. Marcelo Garcia. If they right. went to a Lakers game, the, the camera wouldn't pan to them to be like, hey, look at this famous person that's they're here. sitting in they're They'd sitting like, in the cheap seats the with yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. They're not courtside. I, mean, I, have a, I, I have a very like I went to an M I this is fuck actually pretty cool story. I've, I've, done, okay, some cool right. shit. I've done some cool <laughs> shit, Kevin. I don't know how I, I, don't, I don't know how this shit happens. I went to a UFC fight in Newark, New Jersey. With Marcelo Garcia in a crew, no shit. Oh, Wrote, took to train with Marcelo. I got pictures <laughs> of me taking a train with Marce- Marcelo Garcia. Hung out with him and um, oh, I always forget his name. Uh, the chess playing guru that that owns his uh, oh, his name's right here on the end of my tongue. I can't remember. It's gonna piss me off. Uh, Hoskins, uh, jo- Josh Hoskins, or something like that is his name. The guy that the, that movie, um, uh, whatever. Searching for Bobby Fisher is made after. Anyway, I went to a UFC event with Marcelo Garcia with a room for the people that should know who Marcelo Garcia was. And, you know, it wasn't anything huge. You know what I'm talking about? There wasn't like herds and herds of people running to Marcelo Garcia to taste his autograph, take pictures with him. And he is arguably. Marcelo Garcia, you know, put me in single leg yeah, X. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He is. Yeah, take, take a picture. Tommy, look, look, look. He's about, he's about to sweep you with the single leg, you know, or he's about to guillotine me. <laughs> You know, no one, no one cares. It's just not that big of a deal. Yeah, and I, I feel like that might be a regional thing. Like I, I, I would assume it's a little bigger in Brazil. Yeah, you know? but I mean, if it is a regional thing, we're in New York, New Jersey. He's gymmed in New York. You That's true. And, so and like, Jersey is yeah. a hotbed of right. phenomenal jujitsu. Like, there were a few people that came up to see him, but it was very obvious it was because of that regional attraction. Like if it would have been somewhere else, like I don't. I mean, it's some like in like. Colorado, Colorado, like, or no something one knows like that. Who Florida. Is. No one would know who the fuck Marcelo Garcia is. That's insane. Yeah. Except for you and Except Matt Arroyo. <laughs> right, right, me and Matt Arroyo, right? It was yeah. like, more people actually came up to Matt Arroyo <laughs> than to Marcelo Garcia because he was on Tough. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, like, and plus, he acts he, like he doesn't. He acts like he doesn't care when people start coming up <laughs> and recognize him, but he's still fucking loud. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was on season seven. <laughs> <laughs> he acts like he's he's above all that shit, but he still gets a, he still gets a little, like, he still gets a little, like, chubby when people think. I mean, Everybody like, for real, my, my first ever tough uh, that I watched was McGregor, uh, Uriah, McGregor Faber, like, with B- oh, Billy, wow. Q. With Billy Q. And so when right. we had him on, that was literally, like, I, I was shaking in my so boots funny. a little bit just I like, get a kick on that. you were on the best season of tough like how are- <laughs> I, re- I know billy since he was a, a little shit you know what I, mean? I knew billy since he was you you know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, I, it's so funny when i see when i see he's got like fifteen thousand followers on on instagram he's got his little blue check mark i'm like this little fucker this guy <laughs> he got verified baby <laughs> just get in the uc they gave you that blue check mark that's yeah, a big thing. that's my goal in life. I don't know what it's a weird goal, but I want a blue check mark. Just I'm I think I, we'll get you a. We'll get, a you're gonna get me that. You're making happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen, man. And then I'll, I'll slide in. I'm nowhere near the level that that would be a, a thing for me, but I'll get a blue check mark. I'm taking you with me though, Cap. You're, exactly. You're going. You're going I'm gonna, to <laughs> I so I mean all uh, all the best to evolve your game. You know, we want to see. I think competition is good for like if this if these this grows. To be a, like a, a big contender with all the big guys, everyone's just going to raise their game. And, you know, I think that new rule sets and new ideas are going to help make the game more exciting and more palatable for like a bigger audience. And yeah, who knows? We don't know. So we're yeah. going to watch. We're definitely going to watch and give you guys like the. the, um, the you, you know me, Kev. I'm a cr- crazy jaded old man. So my first instinct is always like, ah. <laughs> I don't want to see that shit. But the reality of it is it's probably good for the sport. And I mean, I don't see it. It doesn't hurt. It, it does more good than bad. But the reality is, is like, what good is it really doing? You know, what the fuck is professional jiu-jitsu anyway? It's just a fucking, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> oh, my God. You can tell that you're like the real nerds are the ones that know to admit that <laughs> yeah the professional right. jiu-jitsu is kind of boring <laughs> right exactly like they say go go to college every blue belt that tells me they want to make it to like polaris or fight zealand i'm like go to college <laughs> oh man <laughs> think about or, the UFC, think about the UFC up, or go to college fail upward like me go to college but then become an mma commentator <laughs> <laughs> touche that's a good one fail upward i like that you gotta fit you gotta fail upward you gotta do it all right so we, we gotta start talking about a more established show we just had ryan mcguire president of third coast grappling on the uh, the most recent episode and shortly after we were able to report that a massive name has been added to the uh, Third Coast Grappling Grand Prix 6. Um, Kanan Duarte, Atos legend, uh, man with just a massive, beautiful head and chin to go along with it. Um, he's had fights with guys like Nicky Rod, also announced for the event. Um, I, we, we really don't talk about Kanan a lot, and I, I find that weird just because of how successful he is. And I know he had that steroid bust a little while ago. Uh, what, have you had much experience with this guy? Like, have you ever? I mean, got I've his- never rolled with him. I've been. He wasn't at Autos when I was there both times. But um, what I do know about him is you're exactly right. Sometimes he gets overshadowed by um, by the Hulk, Barbosa, and some of the other studs that they have at uh, at Autos. But 
he is every bit as formidable. I remember watching him compete against Gordon Ryan in that last match. They had a great match. I think he gave Gordon his best match of the whole ADCC trials. Yeah. Um, and uh, same thing with Nicky Rod. I think that those guys, I think Canyon Duarte is a name to watch in the heavyweight division right now is very hot with a lot of talent, a very, very hot bet of talent. Um, I'm excited to see him go, and I'm super excited. On the other side of my neglect for the professional jiu-jitsu world, I'm excited to see what Third Coast Grappling can do now under this new uh, marketing umbrella, under the new platform of the pay-per-view with Fight TV. I think that's a cool thing to see. I think that's another element that adds to the possibility of reaching into that um, common market, the everyday man market, as opposed to just the jujitsu centric nerds that want to watch it are going to watch it anyway. They'd watch a fucking Facebook live feed. You know what I mean? Like to be able to put on something like that. So guys can turn, tune in to watch the, uh, uh, you know, the, the next Tyson Holyfield fight on that promotion can flip through the screen and be like, Oh wow, check this out. I can watch this jujitsu thing. What's this? And then maybe they start to learn a little bit, get a little more into it and become more excited about it, maybe go out and train. So, you know, Kanyan's this is a great fight. Awesome fight. You know, Nikki, Nikki Rod and, and, and Kanyan are always going to be a uh, Kanyan, whatever, Kanye, her, Kanyan. <laughs> I'm going to put, I'm going to Photoshop shutter shades onto his eyes. <laughs> Kanye Dwarf. <laughs> yeah. Nick, you you're know, Gordon, I'm, you're Gordon, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> you know, Nikki's coming to, coming to bring it. So. I mean, from get, everything I've that. heard about him recently, you know, I've I've been talking with people that are training with him uh, here in Jersey, like where he's traveling between here and Puerto Rico still quite a bit. He's he's gotten a lot more technical. Like he's he's filling in those holes in his game that were there when these two last went at it. And I'm really excited to to see a a slower, more patient Nicky Rod, who's not relying as much on his freak athleticism. And like his really solid wrestling, you know, I want to see him be a little bit more of the the tricky guy. I think he has that. He has that ability. Like I, you know, he's a freak athlete. He's training down there with Gordon and 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 Danaher and all those guys. So you know, he's picking up on that skill set, and you know, he's very very eager to learn and to get better. So you're absolutely right. I, I'm interested to see him start to be able to hang with those guys in the same manner and be able to put on the same displays as a Kanye Duarte and, and start start Kanye right and start to be considered more of a real jiu-jitsu practitioner as opposed to a freak athlete that knows a few things that can get to your back and pass your guard is ridiculously difficult to take down and move and sweep right you know what I'm talking about yeah. someone that's actually a legitimate jiu-jitsu athlete and i think i think he's think he's there the only thing i worry about is are they getting are they getting enough quality sparring down there because you know gordon's there but who else down there is really going to be big enough to push nikki unless they're fine people and i don't know i don't see a lot of videos from where they're out down there but you know that kanye had or kanyan has a canyon whatever has a Kanan. yeah Kanan. Has, <laughs> you know he has a huge uh, pool to train with at Otto. So, you know, he's getting the big quality training. in. so it's interesting to see how that goes down. I mean, really, when, when you think about it on the macro, the Otto's guys are still very much outperforming a lot of the DDS guys, you yeah. know, just in terms they of do. the number of, of superstars at every weight that they're able to field for, for all the different tournaments they're doing. I also know that, you know, Otto's has, you know, 
guys like Stylebender coming by, like high-level UFC and MMA fighters coming by, offering different kinds of pressure. And Galvao is still one of – he's just – he's insane. He's It's crazy. He's one of the best, you know, and I, I think that he's consistently providing the world with some of the best jiu-jitsu athletes that we'll ever be likely to see in our lifetimes. And so I like the fact that the Danaher guys have a consistent rival in the Atos fellas. You, you know, know, when you talk about the three major teams in the competitive jiu-jitsu world – right now right you talk about um you talk uh, henzo about, gracie you talk about uh, you talk about autos you talk about fight sports yeah you know, and when you think about the dan and her death squad they are you know hands down as far as i'm concerned the autos could get mad at me and fight sports could get mad at if they want but they are hands down the most technical of the three groups it's just it's not even it's not even close and if you disagree with that you're just wrong um where they lack is right now they don't have that giant room they don't have that giant number of competitors that compete underneath them that are constantly shooting up lower belts and higher belts that can be considered part of that Danaher death squad crew um as opposed to autos and fight sports you know they are both not just uh you know turning out great athletes they're turning out tons of great athletes if you go to fight sports man they're rolling their their pro training is rolling 30 40 deep and it's 30 40 ridiculous world-class black belts brown belts purple belts that are high 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 level competitors the same thing at autos um when you compare those two together who are probably the best two complete teams you know dan her desk squad have a different point of distinction autos is definitely the more technical of the crew than fight sports. I just think that the fight sports is still, they're just grinders. Yeah. Down, you know, they're attack, 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 and they fight hard as hell and they're tough as shit, but it's not as technical as Atos. But Atos is still, sometimes I've watched some of their matches when they had that Elizabeth Clay match. It's just, you know, this. Yeah. Game. I would also say like, you know, Gracie Baja is also still very much up there in terms of, you know, fielding some amazing talent. But I, I do think that as of right now, those are the big three teams to watch on like the global scale. Um, yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing Kanan break into more of his own like his own brand, you know, his own identity. Just because one of the one of the few advantages of the DDS is that those guys are still very much their own right. like brands. But the Atos guys are all Atos guys. Right. You know, they, they are part of that team. That is their team. And it's more a, a more of a unified front. But the DDS guys get to be known as like the flashier, like individuals. And Kanye, Kanye, he just gets lost in the mix. It's, it's, it's maybe he didn't, he'd had the, he had the steroid pop. He had a couple of things go bad for him. Maybe he got injured. I'm not that sure. That was funny. When that happened, it was funny that him and Gordon were actually like buddies for like five minutes. Cause he's yeah. like, oh no, you busted me. <laughs> what, whatever will I do? <laughs> oh man. But still, like, still really excited to see what else comes out about uh, the Grand Prix. Um, yeah, I'm, excited. I'm excited for Thurgood's grappling. Ryan McGuire has grown on me. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I, I, I don't say I disliked him before, but the last few times I've had interviews with him, he seems like he's a, a, a lot more focused. He has a lot more understanding of the game in general and what his piece of that puzzle is. And, you know, he, he he's built himself up enough to be able to get the high quality people in there. And he's one of the front runners. He really is. I think that I put it on the market, put it on the scene. Similarly, I, I do think he seems to be enjoying the the process a little bit more now. Like now that he's really, he, it seems like 
him and the brand have found a rhythm. I think getting uh getting that new contract was good for him. Sometimes it's just not a good fit, you know. Flow isn't for everybody, so I think he's he's able to focus more on the quality of what he's presenting and like doing his own thing. So I'm I'm happy for him in that regard, and I'm really excited to see what else he does. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna go too far into into a lot else today, just because you know it's the we're filming this on the weekend, and we gotta you know, get rowdy and whatnot. Do, I got to teach it. a private lesson in a class. Exactly. I don't get rowdy anymore. Yeah. I come back home and hang you out. You get private. You got the golden this goose. Is, you know? This <laughs> is as rowdy as I get right here. My little, my little <laughs> freaking rat dog. But uh, we had a notice. We had a notable departure from the world of uh, combat sports. No one died, but there was a pretty big retirement. Uh, and I felt like we should devote some time to that just because we always like to send it up to these guys that, that put in a lot of effort to, to grace our screens with amazing violence, and uh, we should honor that career and in, in a way that doesn't. Not a, not every one of these guys gets a Hall of Fame send off, you know. So whenever we do hear about a guy, we want to kind of send it up. And that person in question today is one Stefan Struve, uh, at one point the tallest MMA fighter in active competition. You have six eight or something like that, right? Yeah, no, the dude could have saved the nets, but instead he chose to come and you know play play in the octagon. An incredible talent in terms of submissions as well, a really high uh, submission percentage. I'll bring up the numbers in just a second. But he announced his retirement from MMA due to health issues. And, uh, yeah, he's calling it a day. And uh, did, did you have it, much experience watching his matches? Yeah, I mean, I always remember Stefan Struve as being the giant, monstrous, you know, kickboxer that uh, that no one wanted to fight him. He was just such an albatross. It was so hard to get in on him. He had the big, long arms, the big, long legs. Um, it was just, it was, uh, a physical anomaly that, you know, everyone wants to see that it was an attraction. It was a sideshow, but he's had the good skills and he actually, you know, maintained and won fights. And that's the big key word there. Maintain. Um, I mean, I've been watching Stephen Strew fight for shit close to 10 years now. He's been around forever. I mean, granted it's the heavyweight division where it's, you know, it's easier to keep your job. The, the power is the last thing to go. Yeah. Right. Well, there's not, and there's also not a lot of heavyweights out there. I always tell oh, Matt, Matt, Matt Arroyo and guys always tell me that the the easiest way to get in the UFC is to be a girl, to be a 125 pounder or to be a heavyweight because there's just not a lot, you know, they, 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 they the, 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 the barness isn't necessarily set lower. It's just, there's not as much of a pool to, 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 to pull from. So it's easier to stay in the game. But the reality is, is that Stefan Struve was able to stay employed by the UFC if I think it was close to 10 years, which is amazing because it's you see the turnover now, the way guys come and go. Like to be able to stay relevant in the division is a is a big, big thing. So hats off to him for that. Yeah, and uh, to more details on the retirement, he had been dealing with some uh, problems with his inner ear uh, for, since way back in like 2019, 2020. And uh, he had initially retired after a submission victory in 2019, but announced he was coming back. But he has since consulted with his doctors. He's got a tinnitus ringing in his ear. And he's he's making the call for his, his family and for his, his health. He doesn't want to put any permanent damage into his body. And I think that, you know, we, we've talked about guys like Frankie Edgar. We've talked about guys like, like Anderson Silva being hard – in terms of you know hanging things up, even though it's it's noticeable decline, I appreciate a guy who's willing to to call it early. 
You yeah. know, there is absolutely no shame in doing that. I don't want anyone having a meathead mentality about a guy who's got almost 40 fights under his belt. You know, like don't, don't be that guy. What is there's a, uh, was, I think Ferdy Pachinko was uh, Muhammad Ali's uh, fight doctor. Very personal friend of Muhammad Ali for a long time. And I can't remember if I'm going to say this quote right or if, I mean, if he's even attributing to the right people or to the right person. But he said something about in regards to Muhammad Ali, and it's something along the lines of you either kill the thing that you love or it's going to kill you one day. And uh, it's very relevant in a situation when you start to talk about fighters because fighters always believe that they're still relevant, that that fighting spirit never goes away. You always feel like, well, I still got this fucking thing, man. I can still go out there and fight. I can still do what I have to do. Like, I can still compete. I can still stay relevant in this game. Um, and the reality of it is, is that in an endeavor that is as brutal as the MMA game, um, you don't age well. And when you don't age well, you take more damage than you need to, and you end up hurting yourself and destroying yourself. And then when you start dealing with the issues of CTE that make you think things that aren't true and make you freaking lose your mind and do other things that aren't relevant, um, you know, it just starts to uh, starts to unravel. And uh, it's a very honorable thing to find a warrior that realizes that, you know what, I'm going to go out graceful. I'm going to go out on my own terms when I need to and, and just say, hey, enough's enough. I ain't got it no more. It's just not worth it. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't an easy decision. You know, after his his last win was in 2019 with, via Triangle, and that was when he had initially made his retirement post, but then he um, – he then walked that back saying he made it on a motion, fought two more times, suffering losses. And I think even if you do call it early, a lot of people do need to like lose like that before they're they're ready to see that things aren't going their way anymore. And for a guy like, you know, Stefan with a family, I I like the fact that his kid gets to see that his dad made a good choice for, you know, not just himself, but, uh, his family, you know? So, uh, Mr. Struve, uh, that hats off to you. You're, you're an absolute submission machine. And, uh, like we, we really appreciate all that you did for the sport. 18 submissions. Think about that. Think yeah, about 18 submissions. He's been locked in a, not just jujitsu matches. He's been locked in a cage with a guy yeah. where with punches and kicks and he's submitted British, 18, 18 times, you know, freak of freak of nature. It was always fun to watch. Whenever Stefan Struve was on a fight card, people would watch it. He was a selling point. People wanted to see that 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 anomaly of human nature be able to come out there and stay competitive in in the fight game. And it was always cool to see him, you know. And I appreciate uh, I appreciate what he's doing, you know. I'm and, you know sad to see him go, but happy that he went on to greener pastures before it got too late. Yeah, and I think that there, for a lot of people in the media, they kind of treated the guy like he was a minute bowl, where it, right. like he's so tall, it's like a spectacle. Yeah, but he and still got it done. Listen, you don't get those numbers. I don't give a shit how tall you are or short you are. Those are like phenomenal and, like, and results. More than anything, you don't keep your job in in the highest uh, in the, the highest level of fighting organization in the world just by being a, a sideshow. Like if no. that were the true, if that were true, CM Punk would still be fighting. You know, it, it's, that's not, that's not the way it works. <laughs> that might get you in the door. It might get your foot in the door, but you still got to win the state to stay on the, stay on the roster. 
Yeah. All right. Well, uh, not to end on a, a total bummer, but we do have one more story we wanted to talk about, and it's an update to some. I'm not sure if we talked about it on the show, but we've uh, reported on it at the Jiu-Jitsu Times, and that is black belt uh, Marcel Goncalves to is a uh, an update in his sexual assault case. He is planning on relying on defensive insanity, and this is news that absolutely no one is really jazzed to hear about. And uh, I know you wanted to to cover this a little bit. Um, how does this so, hit you? So I've known Marcelo Concalves for quite some time. I've known, I knew him on a competition mat. I've known him. I've watched him compete. I've actually competed against him a few different times. Um, considered him someone that I would necessarily say a friend, but a comrade, someone that I know personally could have a conversation with. Um, I also know, the young girl that he abused quite well. I know her father quite well. I talk to him all the time on the phone. And uh, so I have a personal connection with this. And uh, I feel like it's my obligation. I've tried my best to stay away from this because I don't like to burn bridges with his teammates, with the fight sports people, because they're big in the jiu-jitsu community. I tried my best to bite my tongue. But I just feel like it's my duty as someone that is involved in this that could make a difference to say the right thing and do some things and say some things and address the situation um this has been going on for two years now he was arrested almost two years ago somehow or another i keep seeing his name pop up in the news i'm amazed that he hasn't gone to jail yet long story short he taught this young lady who i'll refrain from saying her name uh for since she was 13 years old um when she turned 16, they started a romantic relationship together, which he was arrested for, uh, obviously, for abuse. And uh, now, two years later, he's still on the street. He's still figuring out a way to pay his bills, which is, I get it. I understand. Shit happens. Um, he needs to be held accountable. And the idea of using CTE as an excuse or, or a reasonable defense for insanity um, it quite frankly, it makes me a little bit sick. Uh, I I can understand a, a, a partial neglect of putting yourself in a situation, maybe like offshoot, but we're talking about a relationship that lasted for almost a year, over two years, I think it was before he got caught, um, that was continuing down the road. And now to say that CTE caused him to continue to make those mistakes, that doesn't fly with me. Uh, as someone that was victimized in a very similar position, I've talked a lot about that in my past uh, at a very formative time in my in my life. Um, it damn near ruined my life. Uh, the amount of trauma that happens when a child is impressionable at that age gets forced into a romantic interlude with an adult or a romantic relationship with an adult. Like the, there's a ridiculous amount of trauma involved in that false hopes feelings of manipulation feelings of, of self-blame that never really go away that you never really uh never really get a hold of and um i feel like it's time for marcelo to to finally accept the fact that what he did was wrong and he needs to be punished for that he needs to do some time he needs to get what he has coming to him because this poor little girl is going to have trauma for the rest of her life because of it another sad part of the jiu-jitsu community that unfortunately we have to continue to talk about for some reason or another. I mean, I think ignoring it would be even worse, you know, letting the, like just going on and like, as if like the, the craziest thing that happens in jujitsu is, Oh, this guy submitted this guy with what? I, I think that's unfair to everybody. Um, Cause there's bad guys 
there's there's very bad people involved in this industry and i think they strive on people not wanting to talk about him and not wanting to address all the stuff that they do they like it's just easier to talk about all the stuff that you know people are doing that's fun and on social media but you know there's real crime happening and i think that i think not wanting to talk about it's part of the problem you know, and I think yeah. it, it speaks to you as human beings, as decent human beings, you don't want to talk about this. You, this is an awful, awful situation. You know, you I think- just I find it personally disgusting and distasteful that someone would be would really figure out a way to maneuver the court system to avoid prosecution and avoid paying their 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 due punishment. For something is horrible, horrible. People are, oh, she was sixteen. Yeah, you know, she was the, the. If you say that, you're wrong. Yeah, one hundred percent, you're wrong. So, just to, for our uh, listeners that aren't able to see, we'll be we'll be linking the link to the full article. There was a notice filed December fifteenth on twenty twenty in the twentieth judicial court in Florida, and it basically it states that the defendants are seeking to establish that uh, the def- the lawyers are seeking to establish that the defendant, Marcel, was legally insane at the time of the charged offenses and specifically suffering from chronic traumatic and uh, CTE. I'm sorry. I can't really – I never really learned how to pronounce the full Encephalitis, I think. Encephalitis. Encephalitis. And so that is the – you know, and, and a lawyer's job is to create – the best defense for their client, the burden of proof lies on the, on the system. So I, I I, I think this is very weak, but I, most of my attorney friends have agreed on that, particularly in the state of Florida. It's very difficult. The burden of proof for, for, for insanity, innocence due to insanity is very, not just in, not just in Florida, but everywhere. It is a very, people think it's this like secret cheat code where they'll just say, I'll say I'm insane. One, you don't just get to go free for that. You're often like confined. You you are confined to a an asylum for the rest of your life, or until they decide you're you're fixed, which right. is often never. And and two, the burden of proof for that is astronomical because they don't want people to just get away with things. It's not like that. It's just delaying the inevitable. Yeah, and obviously, our blanket statement: we are not legal experts. We no, have no degrees as such. We're not, not certified. We are offering an opinion based on the notice that's in front of us, and we need to be able to talk about it because it's news. So, no. I, I, Kev G, I appreciate you, you you saying all that stuff just because it's something that I think you, you have a, a position of authority in this sport, even if you want to shove it away and pretend you don't. <laughs> People listen to you, man, and I think that guys like you stepping up and saying this isn't okay is, is where it begins. Fuck it, dude. Do, do your fucking time and move on with your life. You fucked up. You, you know, you did some horrible, horrible things. You should spend the rest of your life trying to make up for that, and that's that's all I have to say, because if you don't, it's evil. Yeah. you're a predator and an evil person. Yeah, and... uh yeah, I think that's a really good a good way to end things today. You know, we we don't want to leave you with too much negativity because we could go on and on about how much we fucking hate this guy. But uh, just just to bring it back, hey, look at my yeah, doggy, puppy, 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 full screen puppy, full screen puppy, Dusty. All right, well, Dusty's got some sponsors he wants to shout out. Bring up, bring Dusty up. We gotta, we gotta, we send off, send out with him. 
There we go. All right. <laughs> well, that is another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast in the bag. I've been your host, Kevin Bradley, with my co-host, Kevin Gallagher, and new co-host, Dusty Gallagher. Uh, there's now three hosts to this podcast. A little paw paw. Diva you. Paw paw. Everybody, <laughs> the world is a sad, sad place, but you know, there's people out there willing to help you out. There's there's good people. Look for the helpers, as Mr. Rogers said. And remember, it's not all doom and gloom. All right. We all survived a, a ton of terrible shit in 2020. We're going to survive this and we're just going to keep on trucking, baby. So everybody out there, go tell your loved ones you love them. Tell your friends you love them too. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Good night. Booyah. Woo!